Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Tech of Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is our fourth episode in the six-part series called Beyond the Broadcast, Doing More with Email Marketing. Today, I have with me Tyler Sutton, and Tyler works for the company MyEmma, which creates beautiful emails. I first became aware of Emma a decade ago. It's pretty crazy to think of when we're thinking about the longevity of these companies, especially AWeber and ActiveCampaign, who we've already featured, and the company that I'm going to be bringing on in our next episode, in episode five. Because those companies, you've heard their names for years and years. And you may not have heard of My Emma, but that's no reason not to pay attention to this episode because there is so much that Emma is doing that is effective, is compelling, and pushes the needle forward. So there are many, many businesses using My Emma, and there are many, many reasons why it may be the right platform for you. But most of all, the experience that Tyler brings with him to this conversation is more about what you can do with email marketing, regardless of the platform. So let's get into the episode. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the Tech of Business podcast today and joining me for the Beyond the Broadcast uh, email marketing series. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. As um, I told you before we got started, Emma was the first email marketing platform I was ever exposed to, and that was a decade ago and I know that um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you guys on is because I wanted to bring on companies that have been out and had the test of time you guys have been around for a while you've watched as the internet has evolved for a long time so let's start kind of at the beginning of Emma and just talk a little bit about how long Emma's been around what the mission was and why um, and you know what makes email marketing so powerful and uh, why Emma loves this business (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, well, Emma as a brand has been around for for quite a while. Um, I think uh, the, the the founding year was uh, 2003, uh, so it's been a long time. And uh, it, it also um, it has kind of evolved with marketing as it as it as that has evolved as well. Um, and really, the initiative behind the platform itself was just to provide a, a pretty easy, uh, user friendly tool to. Uh, conduct email marketing to, to reach your subscribers, to reach your audience uh, in, in a little bit of a different way. And I think that one thing that, that they really, um, you know, kind of stressed was the, uh, the um, user friendliness of it. And I, I feel like there's a lot of platforms out there that, um, you know, some are super advanced in technology, but maybe not so user friendly. Um, and then there are some that are super user friendly, but maybe not so advanced in technology. And really what Emma uh, as the platform tried to do is come right in the middle of that. Um, so, Yeah, no, that makes really good sense. And I know that with Emma, one of the things that I thought was really cool 
that I didn't see in some of the other platforms at the beginning was how easy, I think Emma was one of the early ones to start doing drag and drop and just making it really easy to get your content into email. And I think that there's a lot of benefits to that. As, um, emails that I would get that were made on Emma felt like they were really professional. They felt like they came with some authority and a, it was a brand that you can trust. And I still feel that when I get emails that are sent from the Emma platform. Whereas some of the other platforms, sometimes it's more cut and dry. And it really depends on the type of business that you're running as to mm -hmm. which type of email makes the most sense for you to stand behind what type of clients does MST itself working with and um, the type of people and businesses that are gravitate toward the aesthetically pleasing um, emails that Emma provides yeah for sure well I'll say this we so I've been working here at Emma uh, for a little over three years and, and worked with in my role on the professional services team uh, get to work with a ton of different Emma users across, honestly, all industry. So I've worked with sports teams, worked with restaurants, worked with uh, small businesses, retail, um, you, you name it, I've worked with them. Uh, I've seen a lot, so what with, the, with our you know, pretty recent release of our MHQ platform, uh, seen a lot of really great use out of uh, restaurants and more franchise-based businesses um, in, in terms of using that type of platform where they can really break down some of their locations or their franchisees into these different sub accounts uh, and kind of have them all under one umbrella. Uh, but as far as a platform goes though, uh, it really is all industry. Um, we welcome you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, that is such an interesting concept. So can we dig in a little bit into how you can create those sub accounts and how it's different than creating multiple lists inside, you know, a master account or um, or using tagging and things like that? What the differentiation is between a company using it to have separate entities for their franchisees or their locations? I'll say this, and really, you know, a, a key concept in email marketing is being able to personalize it, right? So being able to create a relationship. And I think from a, um, you know, sort of a, a sub account or a franchise model, you would want to, to really do that with your different locations, right? Um, and so what the MHQ platform uh, on, you know, on, on, on Emma that really allows you to do is uh, have separate sub accounts and then you know per sub account that is that location's account right so they can do all under one sub they can create their own mailings they can manage their own lists they can look at their own response data and even set up automation all under their account and you don't have to worry about as essentially um you know let's say from a, a, a headquarters level uh really any sort of sub accounts crossing over um, you can also get into <clears throat> talking about uh, things like just keeping in compliance with can spam legislation, you know, not crossing over lists and keeping everything separate. So those, so those subscribers that signed up for that single location are getting communications from that single location, right? Um, so it really just allows you to keep uh, better organized, helps everyone stay in compliance. Uh, it really is just a great platform overall uh, for you know, kind of collaborative workspace like that. Okay, so that you're saying that the sub accounts under an HQ account, those uh, email addresses don't go all the way up to the HQ automatically. It has to, there's has to be some kind of level of opt-in. 
Yes, correct. So, um, so each sub account, although it's under the umbrella of, of the HQ platform, each, each sub account is counted separately. Um, so that that really just, like I said, does help you keep into compliance really well. Um, so each sub account has their own lists, are able to manage their own campaigns. We do have uh, the ability in the HQ flat platform from the, uh, the HQ level to manage some analytics and, and kind of monitor sending that way, and then also manage assets. So creating templates and specific campaigns to share down to those sub accounts. Uh, but as far as sharing lists, we want to keep everyone in compliance with, uh, with CanSpam and, and just kind of limit in terms of sharing lists. Uh, so that's why we have that model set up like that. That's really, really cool. I'm just thinking of, you know, some of the listeners. Um, and I'm just, I just kind of thought of, okay, what if someone ha runs a, um, a consulting practice and they've got eight different consultants who work under there. They are all by themselves. They're all themselves, but they are under this bigger brand. And so each of these people is building their own list and they've got their own clientele. But you also have some level of wanting things that are done at the at the next level, at the higher level, at the mm -hmm. umbrella level. That's when something like this may be a good business decision where you can have your your personal and you know stuff. You can have your personal list and you can have your personal emails and all that stuff but then at that umbrella level there is still some ability to say okay we're having an open house and the the hq sends that uh that template into all of the different consultants and they can all send it out to their individual lists and it looks uniform so if someone uh, works with one person or three people in that um, build, building or in that uh that under that umbrella, they all have the ability to send the exact same email. They, the, the same experience is, is had by the consumers. I can kind of see it in that way, even yeah. though they're kind of separate. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, I mean, here's, here's the reality. If, if we are, uh, you know, under the same, same account, uh, you're going to uh, want to communicate with your subscribers differently than I'm going to want to communicate with my subscribers. And you know, even if we are under that same brand, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you'll, you'll design emails differently. You'll name emails differently. Uh, and so just from an organizational standpoint, the HQ platform really does help with any sort of uh, business that's expanding from a you know, location or franchise level. Yes. No, I, I think that that makes really good sense. One of the other things that you mentioned, and I, we've mentioned it on every episode of this series, is automation. And I would love to kind of get what um, Emma's take is on automation and, you know, the philosophy behind it and just kind of how you go about using automation to augment that relationship. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think uh, first and foremost, people love automation because it takes some work off of their plate uh, <laughs> on an ongoing basis, which is always nice. Um, so I, I would say for automation, it really is a, a you know a cornerstone in email marketing, and, and I feel like um, I come across you know I, I feel like people are catching on to that a little bit more. I come across, or I, rather, I do come across uh, some people uh, every now and then that aren't using it, and it really is uh, you know kind of a big gap in their email marketing. And so, uh, in terms of automation, really our philosophy around that is how do you leverage that tool uh, in whatever way that you're using it. Uh, how do you leverage that tool to create a more personalized experience for your subscriber? So is it a welcome email? Is it a birthday email? Is it 
uh, maybe setting up a, a mailing to send off of you know one of your subscribers clicking on a specific link in your mailing. These are all very relevant, timely actions that are being taken. And so how are you going to leverage automation to further that personalized experience for that subscriber? Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, click click automations are crucial. I love the idea of doing things um, date specific, you know, with the birthdays. That's always a fun one. I don't always collect birthdays, but I think that that's something that <laughs> as someone who has a longer relationship with your client, you know, when you're talking about a coach who has a six month or a one year program, or you're talking about someone who's running an incubator where it's a 12 month program, or you're talking about someone who works on a month to month basis, knowing that much more about your audience member and giving them the, the feeling of being appreciated by using some of these little tools of automation is so, so helpful. I mean, it just makes makes the relationship stronger. Okay, so another question I have about automation is that are your users and I mean are always way more creative than you than we give our <laughs> our users credit for. Like I know my clients they're like, "Hey Jamie, can you figure out how to do this?" So, what kind of automations have you seen your users create that you're like, "Hmm, I wish we had thought of that first. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, just from a practical standpoint, uh, I know some of the the users that I've worked with specifically are using uh, click automation in really creative ways. Uh, so, for example, I was working with a coffee shop, um, you know, brand. This is probably a year or two back, and they were releasing a new holiday drink coming out in the first part of December. Uh, and so, in or yeah, December. So in September. They sent uh, a mailing out, uh, just a manual mailing out to the list, announcing this new drink. But in that mailing, what they said was, hey, we're, we're releasing this new holiday drink. And they had a call to action at the bottom that said, remind me closer to the holidays. And so what they did is set that up with link click automation. And as subscribers clicked that, they had already set up a workflow uh, to wait uh, like 90 days out. And when it was around closer to the holidays, that mailing was ready to send out announcing that the new drink is here. So just from a practical standpoint, I really love that example. Um, some other ways, I think they're just getting a little bit uh, more creative with the content in some of the more common workflows. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I would say, so for example, with the, uh, with the welcome email, everyone should have a welcome email. I'll be bold in saying everybody should have a welcome email regardless <clears throat> of your, your brand. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a, a specific example that I was thinking of was, uh, work with an NFL team and they were, uh, really trying to think about how can we make this an experience that, that the subscriber would appreciate. Uh, and so what they did was they essentially labeled their experience, welcome to the team. So right upon sign up, the subscriber got their first email with a coupon code for their store, their team store with a graphic that said, welcome to the team. And really the concept around that was, all right, welcome to the team, let's gear up. So they gave them a coupon code for uh, you know, a t-shirt. And then as the series went on over the next couple of weeks, uh, it was really about the game plan, you know, finding ways to connect with the team. So they leveraged their social media and their app. And then the final step of that uh, was 
season tickets, right? So now that you're part of the team, you got the gear, you're connected. Uh, now it's time to buy season tickets and let's cheer on. So just getting really creative with how they're telling a story across that welcome series was really cool as well. I love that. And I think that I want to dig in a little bit more into telling the story. Do yeah. you have a magic number of emails that help to tell the story? Is it three email series? Is it a seven email series? Is it, you know, what what does it look like to, to effectively walk someone down a story so that they get, I mean, obviously that NFL team, they wanted to get as many uh, season pass holders. They wanted people to buy tickets. So it was a very clear call to action at the end of their welcome series. And they developed it over a certain number of emails. How many emails do you feel is kind of the right number um, for a, you know, I mean, that was a decent sized investment that someone was going to mm-hmm. have to make. And I think that, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but maybe there are different levels of emails that, you know, number of emails that tell the story depending on the price point of what you're trying to accomplish. I don't know. I mean, I, you're, you're inside it. You get to look at a lot of this really cool stuff. And I'm curious to know kind of if you have any, you know, rules of thumb for those different uh, ways of telling the story and leading to a product. That is such a good question, Jamie. I get that all the time, believe it or not. Um, so I'll, what I would say to that is it, it really does depend. So thinking about, you know, what are you trying to accomplish in a welcome email? Uh, I get, uh, you know, work with, with Emma customers all the time and they're like, well, I saw this brand had five emails in their welcome series or uh, I don't want to just do one email. And so really the question that you have to sit down and ask is, what's the content that you have and what content is going to be most valuable to present here, right? So if you can do that in just one email, let's just do one email, right? If you, you know, have like the NFL team, if they have a situation where they have really lots of of different points of content, uh, content, and they need to tell that greater story across a longer time, because really if you were to combine that into all, you know, one email, it would probably just be a lot of noise going on, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so think about how much content that you have and how much relevant content that's going to be immediately helpful to that subscriber. I think from there, then you you can start to decide, uh, do we just do a single mailing? Do we do a two email series, a five email series? Um, There really isn't a magic number. It's all about the content and also the goal that you're trying to achieve um, through that nurturing process. That, that makes very good sense. I'm just like, I mean, I would think that the amount of effort required to put together a really, really persuasive uh, nurture sequence or welcome sequence may be, bal- you know, in balance with the, the price point at the end of the day. You know, I mean, yeah. if you are selling a $20 ebook at the end of your welcome series, maybe your welcome series doesn't have to be quite as long because they're going to be getting something that's another consumable that is, you know, that is, it's a low price point that they're going to get to know you better. You just want to give them enough feelers in order to say, yes, I want this ebook. Whereas if it's talking about season tickets for an NFL game, I mean, (laughs) I live here in Seattle and those tickets, they're, they're a fortune. (laughs) So I mean, like at that point, yeah, I mean, the the buy-in, the buy-in is a lot more. And yeah. so I I think that there, there's there got to be something in that balance that to kind of flip the switch. Um, with your automations, are, are there bailout points? Like if someone 
doesn't open emails? Are we still going to send them, like in that NFL example, are we still going to send them all the way through to buying season tickets if they haven't even clicked to the store from the first email? Yeah, for sure. It's another great question. Um, so I, I would say there's really two things that I, would, I, I always encourage, um, you know, Emma, Emma customers specifically that I'm working with is really to think about that, right? So email marketing is all about delivering relevant content. Um, and not, you know, kind of moving away from this sort of mass send. Uh, and so there's really two points that you can actually do that specifically in the Emma platform is really number one is to consider your audience. Um, so in Emma, we have segments that are dynamic. Uh, so as customers, you know, data changes, uh, they may drop in or move out of specific workflows. So if you've got an email series of, you know, let's say five mailings going out, um, you know, depending on if subscribers, uh, if their, you know, uh, contact data changed over the course of that five mailings, um, they could drop out of that particular workflow. Um, the other way that we accomplish that as well, uh, so number one would be considering your audience that you're sending to for that workflow. And then number two, uh, and Emma, we actually have branch logic uh, available in our automation suite as well. So uh, branch logic, uh, meaning as you send out mailings, you can uh, insert little choose your own adventure, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so based on if the subscriber opened or clicked the previous mailing, we can branch them off and we'll have a criteria of yes. So they did click on that. Then you can send them down the rest of the series. Uh, if they didn't, maybe you want to stop sending to them or maybe you want to try sending some other content that may be helpful. So with the Emma automation tool, you can really customize that experience pretty well. Nice. Yes. Those are, that's what I love to see is the different approaches that these different email marketing platforms use to accomplish similar goals, which is to not end up inundating someone who doesn't want to be inundated. You know, mm -hmm. again, like if someone signs up for the mailing list for their local coffee shop because they were running a raffle or something like that, that doesn't mean that they want to get three emails a week reminding them to come in and get a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know? But if exactly. that person signs up, they get the first email and they have a button in there that says, tell me every piece of news they may want to get a daily email that, that mm -hmm. they can read while they're drinking their cup of coffee at that coffee shop. <laughs> so being able to kind of understanding who your audience is and what makes sense for them and then for them to be able to tweak it incrementally. I'm not saying that every customer gets to pick their, you know, their own adventure to the nth degree, but there's a few different paths and every one of us knows that we'll have somebody on our list who just wants to stay in touch and it may take six months or a year or five years before they want to do anything more um, and have a greater interaction with the business. So we want to make sure that that stays available as well. So if someone doesn't open any of the email or doesn't click on any of the links in the welcome series, that doesn't mean never send them an email again. Yeah. You also brought up another good point in that is that the welcome email is a really great or welcome series rather. It's a, it's a really great opportunity if you don't have some additional information for your for, from your subscribers that you really would like to be able to create a personalized experience. So let's say, you know, a lot of brands out there are just collecting email address on their, you know, on their website sign up form. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the welcome email is actually a really great place to maybe link out to another form and say, hey, we want to be able to customize this experience. How often do you want to receive mailings? Or what type of content do you want to receive? And that can really go a long way. Um, you know, the welcome email, uh, welcome series are, you know, those are one of the, the uh, you know, some of the most engaged emails that you'll ever send in any time as you're doing email marketing. And so being able to leverage that platform where you're getting that much more people to open, really asking them how you can customize the experience uh, really goes a long way in building that long-term uh, relationship with your subscriber. Totally, totally. Let's get back into the Emma platform a little bit and so that uh, the listeners right now can kind of feel like what it's like inside there. So do you want to walk us through a little bit if someone is a new subscriber and just getting started using Emma, what they're going to experience and what options they may have uh, to get started? We have honestly every tool that you you know imaginable that, that you would want to get started. So just from an audience management standpoint, uh, you know, logging in, we've got, uh, well, actually just from an aesthetic standpoint, we've got all of our, you know, the entire app is broken up into five different tabs. So we've got a homepage that really shows some uh, overall analytics for your particular account and gives you a really good look into what you've recently sent. Uh, we've got our audience tab, and, and this is really where you can manage all of that. We talked about segments a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, importing your lists, right? We call those groups and Emma, uh, and then from there, maybe using response data or using uh, customer data to segment those into you know these smaller portions of your list so that you can deliver that relevant content. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a forms platform as well. We've got a Lightbox and a SignUp. Um, you know, kind of moving on from there, we get into more of the the content creation. You mentioned the drag and drop editor earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some pretty incredible testing tools as well, some A-B testing tools for both subject line and content, uh, really big proponent of testing. We could talk another uh, <laughs> hour about testing, and, and it would be so much fun for me. Um, and then, you know, we've got our uh, incredible analytics platform, which is uh, honestly, it's, it's uh, about to get uh, even more updated, uh, which is really cool. Really excited about some of those things coming out. Uh, and then uh, the automation platform as well, which we talked a little bit about here. Um, and, and so really from, if you just want to log in and send a mailing, you can do that. And it's super intuitive. Uh, we've also got really incredible resources as well. Um, that, you know, just for free resources like our support team or our support hub. Um, so if you just want to log in, send an email, you can do that. But if you want to get a little more advanced, you want to tackle some segmentation or, uh, you know, maybe leverage some response data uh, and, and automation, you can do that as well. Nice, nice. That makes that makes it really kind of visual. I'm sure that a lot of people are just kind of visualizing what this might look like now. So this is very unlike me to jump into the middle of an episode, but I just wanted to let you know that there was a section of the episode that got a little bit garbled. And so we're going to pick right back up with Tyler when we're talking about split testing. So again, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that it was a little bit garbled. So I cut that out and I'm bringing in something new and fresh. I love, love, love split testing. And love I think that it is such a valuable thing. So let's take a couple of minutes and talk about it at a high level so that people can kind of get the idea of what split testing is all about and why you're going to do it. Um, we don't need to go 
a hundred layers deep because <laughs> again, I don't have the full amount of time. I don't want anyone to be like, no, Jamie, turn this off. But let's definitely get into a little bit about why you're going to want to do some testing, A-B testing, split testing, however you want to determine, use that. Yeah, don't think I, I couldn't go hundred layers deep, but- uh, <laughs> I might bring I, you I back for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole series on, on testing someday. Um, yeah, really, it's, it's a question that I get a ton. Uh, it's a recommendation that I make a lot as well. And, and honestly, if, if I can just be super candid, probably the recommendation that I get the most pushback on um, in terms of, you know, always be A-B testing, whether that's subject line or content. And um, you know, I get a little pushback on that. Like, you know, I don't need to do that. I don't have time to do that. And, and as far as what Emma's tools present, it makes it super easy. And, and you know, maybe some reasons why you would want to A-B test some subject line or content. Um, really, number one, it's honestly going to help you to understand your subscribers better, right? So we talked about that a little bit earlier in maybe trying to ask some of your, some of your subscribers. Well, let some of their actions tell you as well. Right? So as far as your, your open rates goes, if you're looking to increase your open rates, subject lines are really great place to start uh, in, in terms of testing um, you know, subject lines. So I've, I get a lot of questions specifically around that with, you know, should I use emojis in my subject line or should I personalize my subject line by the subscriber's first name? Well, each audience is different, so let's put that to the test, right? Um, right. And then in terms of content, there's a slew of items that you can be testing in, in content that's going to help you to drive your clicks, uh, you know, kind of to present uh, the subscriber with, you know, different content layouts, uh, you know, different tactics in terms of maybe moving your calls to action above the fold or below the fold, uh, really under, helping you to understand how your subscribers react to specific things, and then ultimately helping you to optimize and make educated decisions um, you know, based off of that. So you can't really make a decision and say that, oh, this definitely works. This subject line definitely works the best. Well, have you tested that? And if not, how do you know that, right? So it's really going to help you to understand that a little bit better. Yeah. So do you have any thresholds for the number of subscribers that you're going to send your test to? Because if someone has a list of 50 people or 100 people or 500 people, what is the number, like, do they have a big enough list to get an accurate sampling of of the scenarios or do they need a larger list or do you use a subset of your list? I mean, just let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. And that's a really incredible question because uh, not enough people take that into consideration, right? So let's say taking 20% of 100 subscribers. That's a really small portion of your <laughs> list. And you're going to let the minority speak for you know, the majority in that case a little bit. Um, so I would say if you have a list of about 5,000 contacts, then that's when I think you can go into maybe taking 20% of your list or 30% and really have a, a good test group. Um, and then if your list is below 5,000 contacts, what I recommend there is, is honestly just splitting your audience in half. So just sending, you know, version A to half of your audience and version B to the other half. And that's really going to give you a good opportunity um, to have a little bit of um, a little bit more of an increased uh, sample size uh, rather than taking a section of your audience and kind of letting them speak for, um, you know, for, for the rest. Uh, I would say to that point, the last point here is that 
um, you know, your list size isn't an excuse to do or not do A-B testing. Everyone should be doing testing uh, there. So I would say 5,000 contacts is, that, is a pretty good measurement. Okay. So you just said exactly what I was hoping you were going to say, <laughs> which is that no matter how big or small your list is, you can do testing. If you've got a list that's smaller than 5,000, like Tyler suggested, just split your list in two. You can use however you want to. You can just have it, you know, I mean, with different automations, there's different ways of splitting it into two, depending on what system you're using. I mean, on Emma, it's pretty easy. On some of the other ones, it might not be as easy. But split test every email. And I mean, again, if all you want to do is split test your subject lines to begin with, and then you can start to learn who's opening which version and you know if there's if there's a trend maybe you have the first name in every single email that goes to one list or one half of the list and you don't have the first name in the list in the stuff that goes to the second half of the list and you see over time three weeks five weeks 10 weeks whatever it might be that consistently the emails without the name get more opens then you finish that test for now while your list stays about the same size and you can go on and test emojis versus no name and then you can go on and test after you and then if your list grows and gets bigger you don't have to use your full sample size but what Tyler is really saying is that we want to hit our audience so that they feel warm and appreciated and they want to receive that email and if you're just sending a broadcast or you're just sending one option you're never going to know what might resonate a little bit more one additional thing there is that even if you're not using some of the um, you know the a b testing tools let's say in emma or in your esp um, you can still test things as well from a manual perspective so constantly looking at your analytics and seeing what's working what's what's not working uh, quick story there, I was working with a resort about a, about a year ago, and they were sending out um, mailings after people left the resort to rate them on TripAdvisor. And we had uh, a letter from the, um, uh, like the director of the resort, uh, and then a call to action to rate on TripAdvisor. So we figured out that the button was actually below the fold on, on desktop and certainly on, on mobile. Uh, and so after about six months of testing, we looked at the analytics were like, this is not working. People, we had like 10 people rate us on TripAdvisor. This is awful. Uh, so what we did is actually cut the letter in half and that brought the button above the fold and their open rate, or their, excuse me, their click rates rather increase substantially from that. So even if you're not using any sort of A-B testing tools, you can still do that from a manual perspective. Brilliant. I love that. So Tyler, since I know you've listened to the podcast, you know that I like to wrap things up by <laughs> share, uh, sharing where we can connect with you, where we can connect with Emma, and then we'll come back to that last curveball question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, you can definitely head over to myemma.com if you want to check out a little bit more about what we do. Uh, I work on the professional services team. Uh, so our team uh, really leans into helping Emma users specifically on one-off projects, uh, but also on a recurring basis. So we kind of come alongside you, act as an extension of your marketing team and uh, you know, help on things like list growth, uh, automation setup, segmentation, content strategy, uh, pretty much you name it, we can do it. Um, and then also I'll note that we have uh, a webinar coming up 
uh, May 14th. Uh, we're teaming up with the folks over at Unmarketing, and we're going to talk about influencer marketing. So that's May 14th, um, and I think we'll have a link in the description of, uh, of this, um, this podcast link. So hopefully you can join us for that. Yeah, no, that definitely we'll have that in the show notes as well as all the other links that you have shared. And I love, as you know, ending episodes with something that just kind of helps the audience kind of think about what else and what's next. And so, Tyler, if there was something that would make you be like go and shout Emma from the rooftops that doesn't exist yet in the platform that would just make it that much easier for the business owner who is using the tool to use it and reach more people is there something that is not there that might be like on on the uh, the drawing board or on your wish list or things like that that uh, that would uh just kind of take you to that next level of loving the business and the company that you work for? So I think, uh, you know, an area that I would love uh, to see improvement on in that is I'm a big data nerd. Uh, so I love making decisions based off of data. Uh, you know, I had one of my mentors earlier on in my professional career said from a marketing perspective, if you can't measure it, then we're not doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I really love analytics and, and really appreciate using analytics to tell that greater story of a particular subscriber's engagement with the, uh, with the brand, um, but also just how your list is affecting your overall success of your business, right? So your email marketing efforts, what is that doing to revenue? What is that doing to website traffic? So I think uh, from, uh, from that perspective, what I really love to see and then what's on, you know, kind of being discussed and on the roadmap is really seeing you know, for specific date ranges over periods of time, being able to see real-time in-app, you know, percent change, uh, you know, year-over-year growth, month-over-month growth in terms of list growth, uh, you know, open, click rates, uh, you know, opt-outs, being able to see those real-time in-app would be really cool. Um, So I think from that perspective, really just going to help the marketer in general, uh, you know, better make decisions uh, for their own email marketing program. Nice. I love it. And I am an analytic girl as well. I uh, love, love, love getting the numbers behind the, the the marketing and getting the numbers behind the effort. So that is a perfect way to wrap things up here. Tyler, thank you so much. And thank you to the rest of the Emma team for continually pushing the ceiling and continually moving the product forward so that uh, the audience, your customers, everyone can benefit. Again, Tyler, thank you for coming on the Tech of Business podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. That was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed bringing Tyler and my Emma into this conversation. I'd love to know from you what your greatest takeaway was. So if you're not already a member of the Tech of Business community, hop on over on Facebook. It's just Tech of Business community. You can get there by going to techofbusiness.com forward slash community. Or just message me on Instagram. I'm at Tech of Business and I'll make sure I get you the link. I just want to see you in there. I want to help you get more out of your email marketing or whatever tech questions you have. And as always, if you have something you would like for me to bring onto the podcast, I would love to hear it. Book a call with me. That's C-A-L-L-W-I-T-H-J-A-I-M-E. It's a free 15-minute call that I'm just going to listen. I want to know what you are loving about technology, what 
you wish you knew more about, what you'd love to hear about on the podcast, don't be a stranger. Join me for a 15-minute call. It is super easy, super fun, and I cannot wait to get on that call with you. I will see you again in our next episode, episode number five of this six-part series all about beyond the broadcast, what else you can do with email marketing. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.